Hey, everybody, and welcome to Jesus Stories number 27. We're calling this one Blind Man's Bluff. Today's episode concerns a blind man, a visually impaired guy. Jesus heals the man, but it results in problems for the man, not for Jesus. For the man? Yeah, even in the first century, life wasn't fair. But Jesus and this man turned this situation around. We'll talk about these circumstances and Jesus' response when we continue. Thank you for listening to these Jesus stories. This is the podcast which tells the life and teachings of Jesus in an informal, informative, and interesting way. I'm George Taylor, and I'm your storyteller. Let me remind you that these Jesus stories are supported by you and other listeners to this podcast. We depend on you to support the costs associated with writing and producing these episodes. We've joined with Patreon to make it easier for you to offer your ongoing support for these episodes. It's an easy way for you to make a small monthly donation for the podcast, just as little as $3 a month. And when you join through Patreon, we'll have some special stuff available to you that can only be accessed by Patreon members. That'll be coming beginning in January 2022. And if you prefer to make a one-time donation, just visit JesusStories.info, click on the Support This Podcast link, and follow the directions on the page to make a one-time donation. Remember, this podcast is literally heard worldwide. We've got over 2,000 downloads every month, and that includes people in the developed world as well as in third world countries. It's your support that makes this happen. Thank you for that. If you haven't joined us in supporting this effort, won't you pray about it and join us? Now, we left Jesus as he left the Feast of Tabernacles in our last episode. Jesus had taught during that festival on his identity and his authority. He proclaimed that he was living water. Anyone who believed in him could come and drink. He also proclaimed that he was the light of the world. Anyone who followed him would not walk in darkness, but in a light that led to life. While these statements were outlandish to the religious leaders, the common people heard and believed. The religious leaders, however, get very upset, and he confronted them in their unbelief with his identity as the Son of God. They were upset enough to stone him, but Jesus slips away. As he and his disciples are walking along, they spot a blind man whom John tells us was born blind. Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? These questions reflected a common belief of the day. Sickness or deformity was a direct result of sin. Their question was really, who sinned? 
You know, such a question to this rabbi ignored the bigger issue that was at hand. If in this society you were blind, there were no schools which he could attend. There was no accommodation for his disability. There was only a lifetime of begging and poverty and no access to the temple. So this poor man would have been in need of anything except a theological discussion about the origin of his condition. The disciples see a discussion. Jesus sees the man and his need. Jesus responds to their question. You're asking the wrong question, he says. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. In other words, there's an opportunity here to glorify God. But we need to be at work meeting that opportunity while we can. With that, Jesus spit on the ground, making some mud with his saliva. He spread the mud over the man's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The name of the pool means scent. The man does as he was told, and his sight was restored. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us of the man's reaction, but now seeing, I can imagine him walking around looking at everything that he couldn't see before. Perhaps he came to people whose voices he recognized, like his family, to see their faces and to tell them the news. The next thing we are told is that his neighbors and those who knew him questioned whether or not this was really the man. Some think that he is the one, others doubt. No, he just looks like him. The man who was a beggar kept telling people that it was indeed him. He used to be blind and now he can see. His neighbors asked, who healed you? What happened? The man tells them of his encounter with Jesus. The man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Well, where is this man now? The man replies, I don't know. So he is taken to the Pharisees, one of the groups of religious leaders. Now, this is entirely appropriate and within the commands of the Jewish law. This man would now be able to be included in society and in the fellowship of the temple. The Pharisees had to know to authorize this change in the man's status. But this miracle had taken place on the Sabbath. If you'd listened to this podcast's prior episodes, you'd know that the Sabbath was a day on which no one was supposed to work. And what Jesus did, making mud and applying it to the man's eyes, would have been considered work. In the eyes of the religious leaders, he was violating the Sabbath. But Jesus didn't violate the Sabbath. He violated the traditions which had grown up around the Sabbath. But to the Pharisees, that won't matter. The Pharisees interview the man who told him, he put mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. This divides the Pharisees. Some say, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others say, 
but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So the Pharisees questioned the man again. What do you think about this Jesus? The man says he thinks Jesus is a prophet. But that doesn't satisfy the leaders. They don't believe the man. So they call in his parents. Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see? Now, the parents are afraid of these leaders. If they answer wrong, they can be thrown out of the synagogue. And if that happens, they are literally just totally cut off from society. Yes, they answer, that is our son. And yes, he was born blind. But as to how he came to see, go ask him. He's old enough to respond to you. And again, the Pharisees call in the man for another interview. God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. In other words, don't give any credit to this man, Jesus. We think he's a sinner. Give credit to God. This was a form of swearing someone in for testimony before this council. The man responds, I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. The Pharisees are obviously very frustrated, and they ask again, How? What did he, what did Jesus do? Look, the man exclaimed. He's probably a little frustrated, too. Listen to his response. I've told you. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples, too? The Pharisees cursed the man. You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he could not have done it. That's rather irrefutable logic, isn't it? The Pharisees know it. So they throw insults at the man. You're born a total sinner, and you're trying to teach us? Then they threw him out of the synagogue. Remember what I told you about being thrown out of the synagogue? He'd be ostracized from all society because of this action. Well, they haven't helped the man's position at all. Jesus heard about all of this and went and found the man. Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Remember, Son of Man is one of the names for Jesus used by the writer of this story, the Apostle John. The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Jesus is saying, just listen to my voice. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man says, and he worshiped Jesus. The Pharisees, they're standing nearby, watching and listening. So Jesus speaks a short sermon just for them. I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the directions clear so that those who have never seen will see, and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. In other words, Jesus says, I'm here to shed light, to judge. I help the blind to see, and I show those who think they are seeing that they are really blind. 
The Pharisees heard this. Are you saying we're blind? They asked. Jesus turns his blind analogy around. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you are guilty because you claim that you are not blind. You claim you can see. At this point, Jesus changes his analogy to continue his teaching. Let me just read his words, and then I'll talk about them. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Jesus has switched to a very familiar analogy to his hearers of this time. The Jewish people knew shepherds and sheep. Furthermore, this analogy is used all through the Old Testament. Remember the opening to the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. So this image is clear to his hearers. Now, let me see if I can make it clear to folks like me who are 21st century city dwellers. First, think of a pen made of stone walls. Anyone who tries to go over the wall to the sheep would be a thief someone who wants to rob a lamb or two. The shepherd, the one who cares for the sheep, comes into the pen via a gate. Another shepherd, who is appointed to be the gatekeeper, opens the gate. Now, in this pen, there would be sheep belonging to multiple flocks. To me, these sheep look all alike, so how would I tell them apart? There's not a need for that. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd who is responsible for them and automatically follow him. So, if he calls them out of the pen, only those sheep belonging to that shepherd would follow him. They don't follow anyone who's a stranger whose voice they don't know. While this analogy would have been familiar to Jesus' listeners, they still didn't understand what he was trying to tell them. So, he gets a little more to the point. First, he says that he is the gate for the sheep. He's saying that through him, the sheep, his followers, can come and go freely. In those days, sometimes the shepherd would lay down at the entrance to the sheep pen to keep the sheep inside the pen and thus protect them. The shepherd was the gate for the pen. Jesus now says that he is the gate. Anyone else trying to get into the pen are thieves and robbers. But the sheep, the people, don't listen to them. But since Jesus is the gate, those people who go through him are saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Who are the thieves and the robbers? the religious leaders of the day or any day who seek their good over the flock. And Jesus is the gate to the pen that helps the sheep in and out of the pen to find good pasture, to find a rich and satisfying life. 
But Jesus goes beyond this analogy. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Then he makes a comparison between the shepherd who owns the sheep and the shepherd who has been hired to take care of the sheep. The hired hand will run when he sees danger, like a wolf. So the wolf is free to come in and attack and scatter the flock. The hired hand does this because he's only working for money and doesn't care about the sheep. What Jesus is saying is that he is the shepherd who cares for the flock, who loves them enough to protect them. The hired hand, the religious leaders, are not the ones who really care for the flock. Jesus goes on, and again I'll quote his words, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd." Jesus, as the good shepherd, is willing to sacrifice himself, sacrifice his life for the sheep. The shepherd knows the sheep. The sheep knows the shepherd, just like Jesus knows Jehovah God, and Jehovah God knows him. Furthermore, Jesus says, there are other sheep not here that are his. In this, he's talking about non-Jewish peoples. The people will hear his voice. They will join the one flock under the one shepherd, Jesus. Jesus will now speak very directly. He says that Jehovah God loves him because of his willingness to sacrifice himself, to give up his life and then take it back again. And that, yes, you heard that right. Jesus has the capability to give up his life, to die voluntarily, but then resurrect himself. In fact, Jesus says, no one can take his life from him. I sacrifice it voluntarily, he says, for this is what the Father, Jehovah God, has commanded. And as Jesus spoke this, the audience was split in their opinion of him. Some said that he was demon-possessed. We've heard that one before. Out of his mind. He's crazy. Others think that he's not a demon-possessed man. After all, he healed this blind man. So we leave this crowd in a conundrum. Now, what about you? You might feel the same way. That's okay. Jesus has made several statements about his identity in this and a couple of prior episodes of Jesus' stories. I want to review those statements just for clarity. And I want you to hear what Jesus spoke about himself altogether. And remember that the testimony he speaks about himself is considered valid since there are two witnesses to these statements, Jesus himself and his father, Jehovah God. Jesus starts with this statement, I am the bread of life. We heard this statement back in episode 21. If you remember, we said that his statement points out that Jesus has spiritual nourishment, like the bread we eat when we're physically hungry. To the first century Jewish person, this image went all the way back to their ancestors wandering in the wilderness after being freed from their Egyptian slavery. Jehovah God provided manna, a bread, if you will, for them to eat. If we come to Jesus, then we'll never be hungry again. 
So Jesus is the source for spiritual sustenance. His second statement was made in our last podcast. I am the light of the world, he says. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This statement is a direct equation with Jehovah God. To the Jewish world of the first century, light equaled Jehovah. And again, this connects with the ancestors' time in the desert. Jehovah God appears to them in a pillar of fire or light to show them the way. So Jesus is saying that now he is the light, showing the way for his followers. In today's podcast, Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Remember, it was one shepherd's job to lie down at the gate to keep someone from coming in to steal the sheep. Jesus reminds us that he is the gate, protecting the sheep, that's us, by the way, and providing a way into the protection of the sheep pen. But like Anyway, he provides the way out to find pasture, life rich and satisfying. Jesus also says, I am the good shepherd. Remember, Jesus contrasted the good shepherd against the shepherd for hire, the one who would die for the sheep versus the one who would run at the first sign of danger. As the good shepherd, he knows his sheep. His sheep know him. He's willing to die for his sheep. As we will see, he will do just that. As the good shepherd, Jesus also calls to sheep that are a part of his flock that are not yet brought into the sheepfold. In other words, Jesus is calling the ones who are not his followers to come and follow him. So, summarize. Jesus is bread, spiritual sustenance. He is light, spiritual guidance. He is the gate providing the way to protection and life rich and satisfying. He is the good shepherd, willing to die for his sheep and calling those who are not yet with him. That's a lot to chew on. So we're going to stop right there. I'll remind you that this episode is funded by listeners and others who want to spread these stories of Jesus to the world. And indeed, we are heard all over the world, averaging over 2,000 downloads each month, with the majority coming out of India. If you'd like to know more, send me a message via email or social media. I'd be glad to share some specifics with you. Just go to jesusstories.info. You can find my email there. You can find links to social media there, as well as on the show notes for this podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast, like the folks at the Sweetens Cove Church of Christ in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, just visit the same website, jesusstories.info. Click on the support the podcast tab. You'll find a link to our Patreon page, as well as a method for making a one-time donation to help us out. All of these Jesus stories are available on your favorite podcast player, but we depend on you to help spread the word. You can do that by rating and reviewing the podcast, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Our next episode is scheduled to drop 
right after Christmas Day. And I hope to make it a special episode with a podcast concerning the story of the birth of Jesus. Yeah, we've covered that before. But in this particular time of year, I think it's important to go back and review those events and remind us of the reason that this season is celebrated. After that, we'll continue with the life and teachings of Jesus. He'll go back to Capernaum, but the opposition to his ministry is going to grow stronger, so he'll set out from Capernaum to return to Jerusalem for the very last time. And along the way, he continues healing, teaching, and sending. He'll heal some lepers. He'll send out a special group of 72 ahead of him to teach and heal. And he'll tell us some stories, some parables. That's coming up after our Christmas celebration. We hope you'll join us. And if you celebrate Christmas, we pray you'll have a very Merry Christmas. We'll see you right after Christmas Day with a special Christmas drop. See you then. Sweetest that ever was heard